Our text today is in Acts chapter 2. We're continuing our series as we go on from the resurrection of Christ to see what it led to. We're again in Acts chapter number 2, and we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 9 too for more help as we try to understand all that happened after Jesus was resurrected. For years at our house, we've looked forward to a special time with great anticipation, family vacation. It meant two weeks away from home. Occasionally it was a big trip, sometimes out west to visit family, Colorado, Montana, South Dakota, south to Pennsylvania. More often it was a trip to Uncle Ed's house where we camped in his backyard. And we saved our money all year. And we packed and planned for a whole month ahead of time, snacks to eat in the car, (laughs) historical sites to visit, people we wanted to see, maps to follow, excitement for all. And then it always seemed that far too soon was time to go home. But it always gave us a collection of memories and happy times we could enjoy for a whole lifetime. Now... Now that family vacation has grown into a much larger endeavor. Now we have four families that all go together on our great big family vacation. This year they've made plans to go all together to Dollywood. They say it's a good place for kids and old people. I'm not sure who the old ones are, (laughs) but we're all going. (laughs) And we still have the same plan, save your money. There's, are there historical sites? And it seems that great plans are made as to which restaurant we're going to eat on at. And the magic word is all you can eat. <laughs> Looking for that. And now, Grandma has to have a swimming pool somewhere nearby or that won't work. So we usually have a caravan found it's difficult to stay together because a few people drive slightly faster than others. Uh, But we all stay connected by that thing called a cell phone. I don't have one, but they all do. And so off we go, knowing it's all going to be over way too soon. Family vacations, time of excitement, the getaway, time for memories and family ties to be strengthened. In our text today, we find the same atmosphere, family vacation, trips planned, people to see, things to do, but everything is about to go absolutely haywire. Plans are set aside, and in a spontaneous moment, this vacation will become the most memorable vacation of all time. Now, in Jesus' time, there were certain cultural things that defined life for the Jewish people. In the Old Testament, Moses' law had set aside three holy days when people were required to appear before God with special sacrifices. There were other holy days, but these three were the main holy days of the year, One in the fall, a harvest feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. The other one at the end of winter and very early spring called Passover. And then the third 50 days after Passover called Pentecost, or actually 
Pentecost was the word for 50. And so it's the feast on the 50th day. And on these holy days, as they are now called holidays, where we got the word, every good Jew would travel to Jerusalem to make sacrifices at the temple. Special services would be held, special songs would be sung, special prayers would be prayed. But I suppose most of all, it became a family holiday. People from all around the world, from Rome, from Asia, from Africa, from Arabia, to celebrate the holiday in Jerusalem. Family vacation for all. The temple was full for a week with people from all over. It was a huge gathering with a population growing to over a million people in that small city. But all for one week. And then everybody went home and waited for the next holiday. And so it became a national vacation. The culture created it. A couple days to travel, however long it took for you to arrive in Jerusalem. You see families and friends when you get there. You go to the temple and make sacrifices, eat meal together with friends and family. And then after it's over, everybody goes back home. And that's exactly what we find in Acts chapter 2 as we begin at verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The holiday is Pentecost. But this year is very different from any other year because only 50 days before this, at Passover, the Jewish leaders had crucified Jesus of Nazareth. But after three days, we know Jesus rose from the grave And so now waiting in what we call the upper room, there's 120 people prepared, ready, and waiting. As usual, Jerusalem is full of visitors. Acts chapter 2, if we look at verse number 5, it tells us who was there. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven, down to verse 9, Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Pergia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. And we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Visitors, as per normal, all gathered in Jerusalem from all over, all around the world. And that day something wonderful happened. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit fell on those 120 people, giving them power. And God gave them a special ability to speak in languages other than their own. In verse 7, they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to other, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. So it was the gospel message, or basically the story of what happened to Jesus 50 days before was being explained to all these visitors in their native tongue. 
that message that Jesus had died to forgive our sins and Jesus had risen from the dead to give us eternal life was explained in every language. And as God gave these 120 a special ability to speak languages that they had never spoken or learned before. So it was the church was born, God's special building a group of people who believed, people who came from all over the world expecting to make a few sacrifices and then leave Jerusalem after the holiday were suddenly participating in a whole new experience. And the response was powerful. Now chapter 2 and verse 41. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. Fear came on every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Well, nobody expected that. They expected to come to Jerusalem, make a couple sacrifices, say some prayers, and then go home. But now, in all the excitement, nobody wants to leave. And vacation is over. You're supposed to go home. But it's far too exciting here in Jerusalem to just leave and go home. I want you to use your imagination with me for a while. <clears throat> what if all of us here decided to take one big trip? We all went together. A church trip. We'll all go for one week somewhere. All of us. So we all went, and then after a week, someone says, Well, we should stay longer. Let's stay for another week. Most of us would reach for our wallet and open it up. And we'd shake our head. We'd say, sorry, we only plan to stay one week. And so now we're out of money. That's what it would be. Now, my friends, that's exactly what happened at Pentecost. They're out of money. They won't go home, but they're out of money. It's time to go home. But this new thing called church is far too exciting just to leave and go home. And so it was, people who had money gave it to people who didn't. And they shared what they had, and nobody went home. Now, my friends, the question that comes to my mind is this. What was it that was so exciting and so attractive and so enticing that people wouldn't leave and go home? After all, it was this new church, this thing that Jesus had built and started. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I've seen many times after church is over, people run for the door. <laughs> church is over, time to go home, let's go. That is not what happened in Jerusalem on Pentecost. 
So what's the difference between what we call church and that first church in Jerusalem on that Pentecost? What were they doing? It tells us they continued in the apostles' doctrine. That is, they listened to lessons and sermons. Not all churches do that today. Here at our church, we preach straight from the Bible. We read it and explain it every week. But that doesn't seem to make people want to stay. (laughs) Some people still run to the door. What was it that made those people refuse to go home? Now, we got a clue to follow, to look into what was happening there. The disciples of Jesus were doing the preaching in the temple courtyard. And the chief priest and the rulers came out, arrested them, and brought them in for questioning. And in Acts chapter 4, in verse number 7, we find out what happened. And when they, that's the chief priests, that set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, by what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, ye rulers of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, unto all the people of Israel, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is a stone which was set at naught by you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There it is. There it is. These men act like Jesus. They do what Jesus did. They're like their master. They've got a power like he did. And they do what he did. And there was something going on That was a perfect reflection of Jesus. Now, Jesus had a special attitude and a feeling in his heart. And we're going to let him explain it to us in Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew chapter number 9. Jesus here reacts to something that he saw. People in large crowds flocked to Jesus. The Bible says if he got in a boat and sailed along, there was actually people running along the shore trying to keep up with him. And if he stopped in the wilderness, which he did, people came in droves in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes several thousand people would gather. No food, no thought for what they eat, they just would come. And Jesus had this feeling when he saw all these people running on the shore, gathering in the wilderness, looking for something. Matthew 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. 
And he saith to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest, he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He'd stand there and look out over these crowds of people, and his heart would be moved, and his eyes would fill with tears, and he'd say, just look at them. Look at them. Look at them out there. They're aimless. They're lost. They're like a flock of sheep without a shepherd, confused, making bad choices, pointless lifestyle, no purpose for living, wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, pray, will you please pray? Ask God for people to reach out to these crowds and to point the way to them and to bring them home to me. It was that love for people, that compassion, that desire to help them that was alive in the disciples on Pentecost. The beating heart in that early church was an intense love for people like Jesus and those people met together and prayed together and they felt loved. The services in the temple at Pentecost were very mechanical. Make a sacrifice, say a prayer, and let's go home. But this new church thing was very different. It was full of love and compassion. They shared everything. They shared everything. Some authors say they were sharing like good socialists. (laughs) No, no, my friends. It wasn't another form of socialism. Get it straight. These people would say, what's mine is yours. Socialist says, what's yours is mine. These people said, take what I have. Socialism says, give what you have. These people said, we love the poor. Socialism says, we hate the rich. These people drew everyone together in love. Socialism separates people in anger and in hatred. They weren't socialists. They were Christians. And they were moved with compassion just like Jesus. That bond of love is what enticed these people and drew them together and made them stay and say, we don't want to go home. We're hungry for this love. My friends, When I was a young man, and a rebellious young man, (laughs) one of the things I rebelled against was church. You better believe it. And one day I looked at a pastor right in the eye, and I said, do you love me? Now, mind you, I never gave him a reason to love me. I was a rebel, and he knew it. But I asked him right outright, do you love me? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, I love you in Christian love. I always figured he knew he was supposed to love me, but he couldn't stand me. (laughs) So he said, I love you in Christian love. I often thought about that. What is Christian love? Do you think... If you ask Jesus, do you love me, Jesus? Do you think he'd say, well, I love you in Christian love? No, I don't think so, my friend. Not at all. 
There is a word that best describes the love of Jesus. Isaac Watts, that wonderful old hymn writer, he used it in one of his great hymns. He wrote a verse in one of those songs, Believing, we rejoice. Or that is, we believe in Jesus for forgiveness. Believing, we rejoice to see the curse removed. And we're free from the curse of sin and curse of death. And it's a glorious freedom. So he says, we bless the Lamb with a cheerful voice. That is, we say, thank you, Jesus, for doing so much for us. He wrote, we bless the Lamb with cheerful voice. And we sing his bleeding love. Jesus would never tell you, I love you with Christian love. He'd reach out his wounded hand and he'd open up his side and he'd show you his wound. And he said, now look, I love you with bleeding love. He loved you so much he was willing to bleed for you and to suffer for you and to die for you. That bleeding love was what they felt on that first Pentecost. They never experienced anything like that in the temple or in the sacrifices or from the priest. But now they felt that amazing love and they just couldn't go home. My friends, Jesus was exactly right. And if it was ever true, it's certainly true today. We live in a world where people are aimless and have no purpose. They're lost and they're wandering and they don't know what to do. Like sheep without a shepherd. People around us are hopeless, in need of a shepherd. And we will preach from the Bible and we will pray, but most of all, we need that love that moves us and guides us and helps us to feel compassion for those lost souls. The power of that early church was that deep love, the same love that Jesus had that yearned for the souls of men. And if the church is to come into its full potential, we'll need to show this world around us so confused, so violent, so lost, that Jesus loves them enough to bleed for them. An 18-year-old boy shooting people in a supermarket Pointless, no direction, lost, confused. People demanding the right to kill babies, full of hatred. What will we do? Jesus said they're like sheep without a shepherd. You better point them to Jesus, the good shepherd. And we have to offer them a bleeding love. What good is the power of the Holy Spirit if we don't use it to reach out to those who are confused and aimless and without direction, sheep without a shepherd? Well, my friends, beware. The warning of Scripture. Jesus said to the church, be careful. You left your first love It's easy for love to cool off 
and become indifferent and uninspired. Pray, my friends, pray that the love of Jesus would be the outstanding characteristic of our church, that we might point others to the bleeding love of Jesus, that we'd have love and come to church, love to come and hate to leave. Bring others to the good shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. May other people notice that we have been with Jesus. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did, for the power in it of a love that reaches out to aimless and confused people in a dark world and feels the compassion and the need we stand in this dark, confused world as a light to shine into that darkness. We want to be that, Lord. We really do. So we ask that you'll make us what we ought to be, and that into the confusion and the madness that surrounds us, we could faithfully stand and shine a light and say, if you want a shepherd, Come, we have one for you. Help us, Lord, we pray, to do our part and be like that early church. So much so that we hate to leave. We love to be with God and with his people, sharing and living together through the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless us, we pray, as we feel these things in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Closing, like it turned to 295, hymn number 295, and closing, standing as we sing, nearer, still nearer. Page 295, stand together as we sing, 295.
Lord, we pray, we come to you, we want to be close to you. We want to have a heart full of forgiveness for the many things we have done. We want to get back up and go with you and know what it is to have been with Christ. We pray that we would have that bleeding love for all of those around us. Teach us how to love those people around us. Help us to see the point of what we are doing. We thank you so much for you dying for us. Help us to be always grateful for that. Bring us back to this place and help us to have a longing to be together because those who are here have been with Jesus. Thank you for all these things. Protect us. Be with us as we go out into this world. May we be a guiding and a shining light to others around. And to love them, we pray, with the love that you have had. In your name.